BDR's Prime Resources Podcast is dedicated to providing you with the knowledge you need to help your business achieve prime results, with prime being the most flourishing stage or state. Let's do this. Welcome to the Prime Resources Podcast. I'm Matt MacArthur, BDR's Director of Training. Today, our topic is safeguarding your company from embezzlement. Joining us today is Casey Stanley, BDR Financial Coach Team Lead and Future Trainer. Casey, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Matt. It's great to be here. Uh, Very excited to have you in your first uh, episode of the podcast here. And for our listeners, uh, I'd love to have you tell them a little bit about your background, maybe how long you've been with BDR and, and what you do at the company. Yeah, so um, I was a BDR client prior to working for BDR, and um, I was able to go to a training from our founder at Barry, uh, that Barry did in, in Atlanta. And uh, I just fell in love with the processes and the procedures, and so I became a client. And then um, I, I got an opportunity to come on board about seven years ago. And I jumped at the opportunity and have been here ever since. Beautiful. And uh, a little bit about your role as a financial coach team lead. What do you do there? So um, financial coaches, we work together with our clients to align your financials in such a way that is similar to other BDR clients. So I I like to call it the BDR model. And then therefore we can, um, we have certain benchmarks and goals that we're trying to achieve. So we align those financials so that we can clearly review and, and, and see those benchmarks that we're trying to achieve. Wonderful. Well, I think that uh, experience and your background as a financial coach team lead makes you the perfect person for our topic today. A little tough topic, but I think an important one, safeguarding our company from embezzlement. So to get our discussion started, let me ask you just a real foundational question. What is embezzlement? Hmm. So embezzlement is theft, um, or it could simply be misappropriation of funds that belong to the employer. So it could be money. It could be property, such as phones, tablets, any type of equipment, materials that belong to the employer. Okay. So... It's it can go beyond money. That that's some, I'm learning that right now. That's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. Tell me a little bit about how does this typically happen? You know, what are the circumstances that embezzlement can occur? Mm. So, so one of the main things that we see as financial coaches is that it happens when too much trust is given to one person, okay? So when one person can can have control of the financials where they can create, they can delete, they can, can, you know, um, um, have the um, opportunity 
to uh, to basically uh, take that money, right? So if you you don't want to set those people up to have the opportunity to do that. So if you if you for for when, for when embezzlement occurs, it's typically one person. It's typically one person, but it can occur with multiple people. So you it's a rare occasion that that happens and that there's collusion, but it absolutely can happen. So the most typical is when one person has too much authority or too much trust from the owner. Okay. And so, and they're also, there's too much trust and not enough control um, on the owner's part. Is that right? Yes. Yes. That's exactly right. Okay. So let's start diving into this a little bit about ways um you know, we can protect ourselves from this situation because uh, I'm guessing, and maybe you have a story or two you could share about this, of when embezzlement does happen, that's a big problem. It's it's emotional. It can maybe put the company in a financial position that's tough. Have you, um, are you familiar with uh, an embezzlement situation and what the repercussions of that have been? Oh my goodness, unfortunately, unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, yes. So so let me go back to the first part of what you just asked was about, you know, the key ways about how we can can do this because I think it's important to talk about these separation of duties. So if you're a, a business owner that has a bookkeeper or a controller, um, uh, that separation of duties is extremely important. The same person that creates an invoice in your accounting system should not be able to also delete, uh, to delete uh, that same um, transaction. So one of the things we do as financial coaches is set up a good separation of duties. Uh, and the other thing is that I wanted to touch base on before I give you an example is um, that the owner can also know their numbers. So, um, and I'm not necessarily saying every single detail, every single transaction, but know what your numbers should be so that when you do look at them and they're off, then you can spot that and you can say, hey, something's not right here. Let's dig in and figure out what's going on. Um, unfortunately, with a lot of small businesses, you have an owner who's trying to maybe still work in the field or maybe is still trying to focus on a different department and just doesn't have time to look at the numbers and two, three, four months go by and they haven't looked at some of their you know, financial statements in a while. And we really drive it home that is, as financial coaches that we want to be looking at this every single month, every single month. So those are two key things right away that that as financial coaches we want to get set up okay yeah yep and you got Go your example here i do i do so then to hit on the example yeah unfortunately we we have had some examples um as financial coaches i know um that there's been some examples of where a dispatcher, unfortunately, the technicians in the field were selling agreements. They were bringing those maintenance agreements in. She was setting those up into the computer, but she was depositing that check into her bank account. 
And so the customer was still getting serviced, but the invoice for that agreement was never put into the system and therefore nobody missed the check. And this got, um, you know, we're talking about it ended up being a couple hundred thousand dollars before it was discovered. So that was an unfortunate situation. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And how painful that must have been once that was uncovered. And I'm sure you kind of, not only have the financial hit, but you just feel like you've just been violated, you know? Exactly. It's very personal. It's very personal. Definitely. Yeah. So I'm glad we're here talking about ways to avoid this situation because that that's going to be the best practices, uh, you know, put together the, the, the processes and, and steps so that we don't have to go through this. So let me ask you this. Let's start diving into these ways of protecting our company. You talked about having a separation of duties and making sure that the owner knows their numbers and is is checking in on the financials on a regular basis, probably every month. Are there some specific um, accounting related functions that an owner would want to keep for themselves that would, would help in this process? Definitely, definitely. So the uh, the owner, what we recommend is that the owner have all bank statements, credit card statements mailed to their home. Now, I know that people can get online now and that's fine. And if your bookkeeper has access to be able to get online to those statements, that's great. But you should still have that statement mailed to your home because often that's where an owner can find a, uh, a, a charge that they're not familiar with. So I know even gas, gas credit card, gas card statements. We had one example where an employee got themselves a gas card. A bookkeeper ordered themselves a gas card. The, um, the statement was mailed to the owner's home and he saw a charge in, um, you know, in a completely different state. And he was like, we haven't done any work in that state. What is this? And then when he dug in, he found out that for two years, that bookkeeper had had a gas card. Yeah. Wow. It's, so, okay. That's, so that's important to get the bank and credit card statements mailed to their home. And then part two, you got to open up that envelope and, <laughs> and, yeah, and that, review them from time to time. Story. True story. Yep. Not only get it mailed there, but actually open it up and review it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Some other things they can do is, um, it's payroll related. They can, uh, there's, there's, when you run payroll, there are payroll reports. And I would highly recommend reviewing all payroll reports. Had another example where uh, a, a health insurance was um, offered to all employees. Bookkeeper received um, full family coverage that was, you know, close to maybe seventeen or $1,800 a month. And the uh, bookkeeper did not deduct it from their check. So payroll summaries that show those deductions, that, and that had been happening for about a year before that was discovered. Wow. Yeah. And we should probably pause and just say that most bookkeepers are not bad people. <laughs> oh, yes, 100%. Thank you for saying that, Matt. I totally agree with that. The, these, most bookkeepers are not bad people. I agree. Yeah, these these are exceptional situations that we're talking about, and 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 that that's why we want to go through this subject and avoid them. But yeah, most bookkeepers 
would never do this. And, and part of what we're doing is just making, setting things up in a way. So there's not even the, the, any temptation to do that sort of thing or any safeguards uh, are in place uh, in case something were to ever happen. Yeah, agreed. And like I said, I'm glad you said that, Matt, because the majority of the clients that I, I worked with seven years and I've had just maybe a couple of cases of embezzlement that we found. So so definitely it's it's something that can happen. But I want to mention, too, that um, we like you said, we want to put things in place that don't give them that temptation. Right. So we talked about that separation of duties. Don't let it be tempted because great people can get in financial trouble. And so let's don't make it easy for them. I, I, interesting figure, um, let's see, in 2020, there was a study uh, that was done. They studied 2,500 cases of fraud in the workplace. And most people that were charged with fraud had never previously committed a crime. So they had a totally clean record something happened it was easy for them to try to get that money and so yeah that's what we don't want to set it up we don't want to make it easy yeah that's like uh in the movies that's what happens too is people get under financial strain and that's when they start doing questionable things mm -hmm. yep that's right that's right okay well um let's move on a little bit well maybe let's circle back first on we were talking about the the accounting functions that an owner wants to to keep close to the vest and take care of themselves or at least be uh, connected with on a regular basis. You said the bank and credit card statements going to their home, reviewing the payroll reports. Are there any other things that an owner would want to want to keep in that area? Yeah, sure. So just backing up to the payroll report, another thing that can happen is a phony employee make sure that you recognize all the names as your company grows like i have a few clients that have well over 100 employees it watching for phony employees that's another way so so definitely review that payroll summary or have your hr person review that payroll summary someone review that payroll summary that knows all the employees so um so yeah, so moving on from that, I would say uh, we want to review accounts receivable weekly. We want to make sure that um, that uh, we're reviewing accounts payable as well. No phony vendors, right? We don't want uh, checks made out for for bills that we were not aware of. Maybe as you grow, you could bring some department managers into that as well. Sure. Yeah. Over over time, you know, more of the management team could be involved in some of these things and, and take some of the burden off the owner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And the last thing I would say, Matt, is um, checks and checks and payments that are mailed in. So we we have a lot of online um, capabilities now. There's I know there's even ways to deposit checks without the actual paper check. Um, you know, through photos and through apps on your phone. But we still do, commercial especially, get a lot of checks mailed in. So having a non-involved person open your mail, so someone who's not in accounting, open the mail, copy the checks, or somehow record the checks that were received in the mail would also remove temptation from um, 
you know, from someone for, from having e easy access to a check. Yeah, and that takes me back to what you said early on about these situations typically happen when there's one person that has too much access and too much control over the financial situation. Yes, yes, agreed. Okay, so let's uh, explore the separation of duties a little bit more, if we could, Casey. Sure. And uh, can you talk through how that might work for um, maybe a couple different types of companies that have a, you know, different size accounting teams, you know, maybe a smaller company that has an owner and a bookkeeper, and then a, a larger company that has, you know, more of an accounting team and, and how those would break down, who would take on those different elements of the accounting functions? Yeah, sure. So certainly when you're smaller, the owner's going to be needs to be super involved. They uh they they need to be processes in place. So we want a written procedure and written process for uh maybe approving credits. Another thing that can happen with accounts receivable is um they could they could write off amounts without your permission. So we want a process in place where the owner, uh, the owner will approve any credit that is going to be made on someone's account. We want the owners still signing all checks and reviewing those accounts payable invoices like we talked about a minute ago. Um, and and in a sign, sign the checks and approve any fund transfers between the banks. So, you know, at some point, the owner can't necessarily do all that, right? So, so we need to set this up for these separations. So as you grow, maybe you have um, one person who is creating the invoices, or even if you have, say, I'm just thinking of the service department. If you have someone in the service department that's creating those invoices, verifying these, those invoices, and then maybe the accounting person is allowed to create the credits or write off bad debt or post cash receipts or that kind of thing. And then the owner is still has that process to approve any credits. So you now are starting a flow. You've got three different people all um, that have little parts of that for accounts receivable. Great, and yeah. Then, yeah, yeah, and then for accounts payable, um, I don't want to. I don't want to get too deep because I don't want to lose too. You know, lose a lot of people. But I do want to say that there should always be a three-way match in accounts payable. There should be a purchase order. Then there should be a packing slip saying that what we ordered is what we got, and then that should be matched to the vendor bill so that nobody's ordering. Um, you know, saying that they're ordering. Uh, uh, you know legitimate parts and actually, you know, receiving other things that are not necessarily um, needed. All right. I like that. The three-way match. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, so let me ask you this. Are there, and, and maybe this is not something you can answer, but we'll maybe try and talk about it a little bit. I know we, when we see something funny on the credit card statement or or we find a phony employee on the on the payroll report that's a sign that um you know there's some some fishy going on that we've got to investigate 
Um, what do we do when we find that? What What's the first move? Yeah, so the first move is to investigate and certainly you don't want to go off half cocked and, and accuse someone of something that may have a great explanation. So the first thing I'm going to do is definitely dig in, find out more about it, you know, maybe call the vendor, get copies of stuff. If you can't find it, call, um, you know, and, and, and just dig in and make sure that you're 100 percent accurate on what's happening. Um but if you do find that out, then, you know, unfortunately, it would be a horrible situation to be in. But unfortunately, um, in my experience, the couple times I've had to deal with this, you know, when you do address it with them, they're extremely sorry. And what's happened in the past that I've come to find out is that, it, is that if you don't, unfortunately, press charges, against this person, then they could possibly go to someone else and do it again. So my personal view is if this happens and it's a 100%, you need to get an attorney involved and you need to find out what the right step is because, um, you know, again, we have all the bad examples, but I have a client who um, accepted partial payment and payback from uh, the bookkeeper that had embezzled. And because he, accepted a very small partial payment, the attorney then would not take that on. So you need to get your legal ducks in a row, so to speak. Okay. Well, yeah, that's, that's really important to understand. So do uh, an investigation first off without rushing to judgment. I think that's, uh, that's great advice. And then um, if that turns up that there is, looks like there's something uh, that shouldn't be happening is going on, then we turn to uh, an attorney or do we go to another, maybe another person to review the financial so we have a second opinion on that or how does that work? So certainly if you have a financial coach, I would reach out to them um, or even maybe your CPA to do some type of audit of the books, Ex excellent question. Yes, so so we, if you are a BDR client, uh, then definitely your financial coach, you could reach out to them and they can invest, help you investigate that. Uh, but also your local CPA may have some audit processes that they can use as well. Okay, good. Yeah, and this, you know, there's just no way around it. Embezzlement is a serious deal. And uh, I, I appreciate you sharing that example about that situation where you kind of have to follow the right steps in this thing so that you're not um, putting yourself in a bad position and really not either not recovering or setting someone else to fall prey to this person that has uh, embezzled from you. Yes, definitely. Okay, well, I think this has been a really valuable conversation here, Casey, about a topic that doesn't get touched on a lot, but um, if you have experienced it, it's something you will never, ever forget and certainly don't want other folks to experience. So I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us about this. Do you have any final thoughts on the subject that you want to share? Not really, other than if you do find yourself in this situation, I just want to reiterate, get some legal advice. Uh, I, being caught holding the bag, it's personal. 
you may not be able to recover from the money, but on top of the money, you said at the very beginning, Matt, that it's an emotional thing and, and it, it, it's painful, it hurts. And so there's a lot of hard feelings. And so, you know, just make sure that you're following those right steps. Yep, and just a quick review, separate the duties in the accounting department uh, as much as possible. Know your numbers and review them on a regular basis. We recommend monthly. Uh, and then we talked about some of those very specific steps of the banks and the credit card statements coming to your home, looking at the payroll reports, reviewing accounts payable, um, all those different things. You've given us some great advice today, Casey. Thank you. Wahoo. Thanks, Matt. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I look forward to uh, our next episode, doing this again in the future sometime. And uh, for those listening, thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you.